Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of the Steelers Preview. And it's hard to believe this is the last Steelers Preview before the NFL Draft, which will be taking place a week from when this is being recorded live on YouTube next Thursday. If you... By chance, if you're listening to us on audio and you don't know we have a YouTube channel, please go to youtube.com, search BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, costs nothing, helps us out a lot. But joining me as always, the triumphant trio has returned, Brian Anthony Davis. Some say he's a legend in his own mind. Some say he's just bad. Here he is nonetheless, Brian, what's up? <laughs> yeah, apparently that's... Uh... <laughs> All right. I love it. Yeah, apparently uh, some people think I'm a little more full of themselves, but meet me in person and you might actually think a lot different. I think when the camera comes on here, I become the you showman. Become yeah, I, I become bad. I don't think I'm bad in uh, in my neighborhood. Let's just put it that way. But thanks so much. Um, yeah, if I'm a legend in my own mind, then... My mind is a lot more grandiose than anybody thinks. Well, when you have people calling into my live mailbag show <laughs> on Tuesday nights on the locker room app and they're complaining about you, I feel like you've made it big. That's just yeah. my opinion. <laughs> well, yeah, I do appreciate that. <laughs> I will give that guy a little bit of credit. He uh, he got a hold of me on Twitter and said, hey, I, I wasn't making fun of you. <laughs> I was just, you no, do a great job. It was, it was all in jest. He was just having fun with you. All right, the other... Part of the triumphant tree, the other leg of the tripod, so to speak. Dave Schofield, the other co-editor. What's going on? I'm a leg of the tripod. I, I yeah. like that. So, uh, <laughs> hey, one week. One week, and then one all week. this, like we talked about on Scobro Show, then all these mock drafts that are just 
everyone having fun and having a good time and kind of like a bracket. No one ever gets it all right. It's finally going to be the real thing. Can't wait. I do want to start the show off because we were talking about this right before we went on the air. Um, I, I spent a good majority of my Let's Ride podcast, which will air on Friday morning, on certain narratives surrounding the Steelers that really make me mad as the draft approaches. I'm going to tell you what my number one was, and I want to see if you guys have one that maybe sticks out. And mine is the narrative that people will say, well, Tomlin and Colbert weren't at their pro day. There's no way they're taking them in the first round. I hope, I pray, actually, that they get a really good player, but I hope that it's not, it's someone like Zayvon Collins where they weren't at Tulsa for his pro day. I would love for it to be that player just so that I could tell all those people Shut up already. All right. <laughs> that would be great. Brian, do you have a narrative that just drives you nuts with the draft? Like what people say all the time when they talk about prospects or anything? Yeah, it's it's one that uh, you're going to have a hard time agreeing with me and sticking up for me. But it's that the Steelers shouldn't even bother drafting a quarterback cornerback because they don't know how to. Because ah. they suck at it. And I'll go back because everybody that even one of our guys, he's on the live chat right now. He put an article out and talked about the good ones and he missed one. And it's Keenan Lewis. A lot of people forget about Keenan Lewis, that he had a great offer from somewhere else. Um, (laughs) And you're not being attacked. (laughs) I I promise you that. It's just, I mean, but a lot of people with the, uh, the corners, they kind of forget that when you're drafting an Artie Burns and they think that any time that the Steelers go to draft a corner, that they're going to, it's going to be an Artie Burns situation. That Artie Burns situation was a little bit weird. They went in with something that they should never do. They should never do the position that we got to have this position in the first round or bust. And that's what you get. You get bust sometimes when you are dead center against position. And when you get the sixth guy at that position in the first round, it's a crapshoot. So I agree. That's a good one, though. That's a good one about the He's leading into mine. Jeff knows ahead, what mine Dave. is. Go ahead, Dave. You know What's what mine yours? is based on uh, a little bit of a conversation last night. Um, I can't help myself when people do this. Drives me nuts. I really want to say, you are such an idiot. But I, I calm down a little bit. I don't you say that. I did say on Twitter, though. I, no, I said it was ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't call him. I, I wrote idiot, and then I changed it and said ridiculous. Very good. It drives Go me ahead. nuts when people put so much stock into make about a player's position ranking. Like, oh, wouldn't you much rather have the top running back rather than the fifth tackle? No. No, it doesn't matter where you fall in your own position group because that changes every year from draft to draft. I've gone off on this before, so I'll do it again since Jeff's given me the microphone to do it. Uh, I Like I say, with that philosophy, when the second pick, there's no way the Jets should be taking Zach Wilson because why would you take the second best quarterback rather than the best position somewhere else? And when you get to the Steelers, Jeff should be happy. They should be taking the best punter on the board because yes. all the other position groups are their number one's going to be gone. So if you need the number one in a position group, you better go punter in the first round. No, if there are 10 tackles ranked higher than the top tight end and it comes to your pick and there's and you have the fourth best tackle, you take the tackle over the tight end rather than saying, oh, I want the best tight end. No, I mean, I'm making this up because we know that's not true because we know Kyle Pitts is way up there. Yeah. But that's the thing that drives me nuts is that wouldn't you rather have the second best running back rather than the fifth best tackle? No, I want the best player. 
don't care what number they are at their position because that's relative year by year because one guy could be the number one quarterback this year at a next year's draft class. You could be the number six quarterback or vice versa. So that really doesn't matter. Sorry, I'm done. No, that's fine. That's (laughs) fine. And you know, it's, we're excited. We're all excited. And ultimately even the people like that I complained about that said, you know, well, Tomlin and Colbert weren't at the pro day or with Brian talking about cornerbacks or Dave talking about position and rankings. We all hopefully want the same thing, and that's we want the Steelers to have a great draft. We want them to get impact players early, and it's just a matter of how they go about it. And then it goes down to who you feel is the better prospect. And and when have the Steelers given us a reason not to trust them? Sure, there's the Artie Burns picks, the Jarvis Jones picks, but I've always felt that for every Artie Burns, there's a Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and I could name a million others that paid up play really panned out chase Claypool in the second round last year for crying out loud. But anyways, um, let's get to some news before we get into the, uh, the main crux of our podcast today. Mike Tomlin got an extension earlier in the week. That's old news by now, but I do want to know your all's knee jerk reaction. So I don't want to know like, okay, what do you think now when you heard the news break? What did you think? That's what I want to know. So it could be happy, sad, positive, negative. Doesn't matter. Brian knee jerk reaction. What was it? Good. Awesome. But here we go. Here we go in what regard? Here we go with everybody uh, complaining. And you know what? He's off the hot seat for maybe uh, a minute, and everybody's going to throw him back on the hot seat. You're starting to think like a content creator. Yeah, because your thought went from good to, oh, people are going to complain about this. You start thinking about how the fan base (laughs) is going to react, and that's fine. That's okay. Dave, what about you? Your knee-jerk reaction was what when you heard about Mike Tomlin's extension? I need to steer clear of Twitter today. (laughs) (laughs) Again, content creator. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just you knew. I write the article. I have it on the website. I'm like, I'm not touching these comments. I'm not even going. Um, just because people feel so adamantly that they know what's best for the Steelers. That's one of the things that sometimes drives me bets. Drive me nuts. It's great. We're all fans. We all love to think that we we have our opinions of what's best for the Steelers, but to think that we know better than what they do, kind of kind of crazy in my eyes. Um, that they that they know what they want with Mike Tomlin. They know what's going on in the locker room. They know how the players feel about him. They know how it's all going to work out. Just like I said, they know their problems and they know the their strengths and their weaknesses um, better than we do because they have all the inside information. But they feel that Mike Tomlin is the guy. I am. I am not. So I am not a Tomlin apologist. I do not. I of course he has shortcomings. Um, like my brother, I like to say. Um, we don't live in our fears except in the postseason. You know, I still have a problem with <laughs> I, I still have a problem with the punt. Yeah. Um, I still will adamantly defend the decision to go on side kick in their previous playoff game because the numbers made sense. The execution was just terrible. Um, and things like that. So people that still want to second guess those things. Hindsight's 2020. Um, there's so many times people are like, oh, well. He wasted talent. Oh, yeah, they had amazing offensive talent for years and had a crap defense. Oh, well, they wasted a great defense. Yeah, but they had no running game. You know, it's still trying to get all of it together. It's coming. Well, 
year after year, you just got to see if it all clicks together. Or it doesn't. And I still think uh, the fact that they're wanting to keep that stability through the Ben Roethlisberger era and beyond is, is the decision they made. And I'm not going to argue with it. I think it's fine. I want to ask you two questions. One of which was a question from a caller on my Tuesday night show. But before we get to that, the only thing that surprised me in this extension was the duration was anyone else surprised it was three years in a, a three-year extension? That's important to know. He had a year. He was his contract was up at the end of this season. That he got a three-year extension and not, I don't know, two. Brian, did that surprise you that they went ahead and gave you gave him three? Not at all. And the wow, reason okay. it did not surprise me, it's gonna take a lot for them to fire Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Now, some people that wanting that want him fired in two thousand nine the year after they didn't repeat in the Super Bowl, you know, they're going to disagree with me on that. And I understand it, but look at the facts, look at, and we talk about this all the time. I've heard you talk about it, Jeff, you talk about it, Dave, Bill Cower was on such a hot seat in the, in the two thousands, excuse me, in the, uh, in the late nineties, yep. especially 1998 to uh, 2000. And they started off in 1998 actually well, and then they fell apart. It's going to take just a long, uh, it's going to take a lot. It's going to, not going to take one losing season. It's going to take two to three disasters to pull the trigger on. And I still think it's going to be tough for them to do because that's not exactly what they do. Dave, three years, was that a lot for you? Not what I expected, but after seeing it, it makes so much sense because if, if the Steelers aren't locking into their quarterback long-term and they want to keep players around and doing their thing, locking in your coach long-term covers for that, you know? So, play, you know, well, kind of like, for example, Juju Smith-Schuster signed a one-year deal, knows Ben's back for another year, um, see what the market is next year, all that stuff. Even if Ben's gone, might make a difference knowing Coach Tomlin's still there, in all honesty. So, um I'm, Brian's right with a lot of that stuff. And I know some people are like, oh, who cares about no losing seasons? It's all about the playoffs in the last 10 years. You know, you want to know why the Pittsburgh Steelers are all about the postseason and championships? Because they've had great coaches like Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin that set that standard that that is our expectations. If not for them, that we would be thinking about that mistake by the lake and the thoughts that they have to have about everything. So that's part of it that they're, that it's the Rooney family. And then the decisions that they have made with their head coaches. You kind of led into the next question, which was a question that I fielded from a caller on Tuesday night. And that was, do you think that the, the Steelers bringing the Mike Tomlin back, giving him an extension, however you want to call it. Um, will that have an impact on players like Juju Smith Schuster or someone else, or maybe even other free agents in terms of, Will that will this make the Steelers more attractive as either a, a target to go in free agency or maybe someone staying? Brian, what do you think? I was listening to your show when that came on, and the you covered it well. And one of the first things that I was thinking was, you see how many Steelers came on Twitter and social media celebrating this? They love the fact that Mike Tomlin's back. So we don't know what's going on in that locker room but we know that it's a big thing to these guys. And I will say this, when you look at the Tyson Alualu situation, he had a, he had a change of heart. We know Juju could have gotten more money elsewhere. 
but it wasn't enough for him to leave his home of the last four years. And Vince Williams was to make seven last year. The team cut him, broke his heart. He had a chance to get more money and signed for $1.085 million, the league minimum for a nine-year player. So what that tells me is he came back and all three of those guys are coming back for the culture and the coach is the culture and they love to play for this guy. Dave, thoughts? My thoughts, you know I'm the numbers guy. Um, it was a $7 million cap hit. It was a $4 million salary, Vince Williams, okay. of the $1.075 million. But the reason you're thinking the number eight is because his cap hit, because it's a veteran, veteran benefit salary, is only $850,000, which is amazing. Basically didn't change the salary cap. Um, and he chose to come back for that. So Brian's right. Seattle has two losses. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before we get to um, before we get into the main topic, I want to go over some of these rules that have been made. Uh, the case you didn't know, it was was it Wednesday? No, yes, it was Wednesday yeah. when the NFL announced. I think there were seven rule changes that took place. Everything from the um, return team on off on onside kicks. They can only have so many players on one side of the field now. Oh, I think it's, it's within not, the line of it's within the yeah, the, like area. the box, whatever. They have to have two guys deep at least. Why don't you go ahead, Dave? You wrote the article. What are some of the other changes? Jersey rules oh, is a big thing. Yeah, the, I hate the numbers. That, by the way. I, I'm not a big fan of it either. I'm not a fan of players now changing jerseys. One thing I mentioned in the article I have not seen yet. I still don't have confirmation of this. There's always been big rules about players changing numbers because any unsold jerseys they have to buy them. So yes. they basically have to pay to change their number if they're going to still do that. I they are. They, they are. The minute I saw on Twitter before we mm -hmm. came on, uh, Dalvin Cook, who is a running back for the Vikings, wants to go to number four. He wore it in high school. He wore it at Florida State. And they're saying that you're going to have to pony up the money for these jerseys. And yeah. he's literally weighing the options of, do I really yeah. want to do that? Or do I just want to keep my jersey number? But just think of all the sold jerseys. And this is something that you see out there of people that are like, you know, I invested in a number 11 Chase Claypool. And now I'm going to have to go to a whatever number he was. I can't remember. <laughs> he was 83, though. Oh, he was 83. That's yeah. right. So it's not Chase Claypool. So I'm thinking, you know, or like Juju. And then then Boswell's chiming in to say, well, how much would have paid me for nine? And then um, Josh Dobbs to, Kevin, to Devin Bush about the number five and all kinds of stuff. It's just, honestly... You know what they're actually doing now? You're thinking, oh, they're going to get more jersey sales. Everybody's going to hit the pause button. No one's going to want to buy jerseys right now because you don't know if a player's going to change their number. So you're going to wait. So it might bump it later, but for now, I think it's going to pause it. Uh, you want me to go into more rules? Or you want to well, talk hold on, Brian. That? What's your thought? You're the jersey guy. What's your thoughts on the jersey situation? I like traditional jerseys, but you know, there's I have no problem when the wide receivers opened it up to have number 11 and 19 and when they were able to do that so much more and it doesn't bother me whatsoever i remember way back in the day brad van pelt who was an inside linebacker or middle linebacker for the new york giants wore number 10 and i always thought that was cool and back then i knew that i'm like this is weird why he's a linebacker why is he wearing 10 but we would have seen a we would have seen devin bush jr come in with the number 10, most likely. He would have come in with that number. We could have seen Ryan Shazier come in with 10. Um, Travis Edian, he's going to have, if he gets drafted by the uh, the Steelers, 
he would have to go, just like Dave said, he would have to go to Boswell and say, hey, what can I do here? How do I get my number nine back? Then you have then you have guys on the team. The guys that are going to be switching, this is where I'm going to just slightly disagree with Dave. Most of the guys that are going to switch are going to be a guy like McFarland Jr. And Anthony McFarland Jr. is going to probably want to switch back to number five if he can get it, if it's open. Um, I know Dobbs is back, but he'd like to get that number. Nobody bought his jersey last year. Unless your last name was McFarland and you're a family member, you know, that's, or me. No, I didn't buy his number. But what I'm saying is Joe Hayden said, if this was back in the day, if he was a younger player, he would be switching to get his college number. But now he doesn't want to do it. He's entrenched in 23. And that came out when this rule proposal came out. So what's going to happen here is they are going to sell a lot of jerseys, rookie jerseys because they're going to be more attractive because they're going to look cool being a number, a number nine or an eight on a running back. And it's going to look different. If they were going to change the numbers though, I want them to let the quarterbacks change their number. And I'd like to see a number 22, all a Doug Flutie. I'd like to see, you know, somebody wearing like 97 at quarterback. I think that'd be cool, but they're a, uh, they're not letting everybody do it. You will not see an offensive lineman wearing six. Yeah, uh, TB12 had a problem with uh, with these numbers. He wasn't very happy with it, saying how are you supposed to know who's what and where on the field based on the number. I don't know how much. I mean, that does help you figure out eligible receivers, but I don't think they messed with that. I honestly, if they really wanted to make the fans happy where, with ones that have bought previous jerseys, what I would have said is, if you've been with a team with a number for more than two years, you can't change. If you go to a different team or you're a draft pick, you can have these new rules. But let's not go and but that doesn't work either. So do a buyback yeah. program. Yeah. So say say you'll bring bring in your old jersey. We'll give you ten percent off on a new one. You take those old jerseys, give them to the Salvation Army, the Boys and Girls Club, whatever, and they'd be happy to have a nineteen Juju Smith Schuster if he changes it to nine. It doesn't matter to them. Yep. The Ray so, Rice plan. Yeah. Remember they, they do, do that with Ray Rice? Did they do that? They yes. do that with mm-hmm. you know, the Baltimore Ravens allowed you to bring your Ray Rice jersey in and exchange it for anything. It, yeah. A straight up swap. It straight wasn't a discount. Swap. Wow. The first it was only one though. Yeah. Because I know people that four. did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what other rule changes were there? Dave? Okay. Well, you mentioned that you can only have so many players with um with within 25 yards of the of, of the kickoff um on the receiving team. I think it's nine. That means you gotta have two players back. Um, they changed, I'll do some of the simple ones and then come back to maybe other ones we want to do, um, on point after attempts. If you're going for two, if, if on one play, a team gets a penalty and then the next play, another, the other team gets a penalty, both penalties still count. It used to be, they would just do away with the first one, uh, which was weird. So now all the penalties will still be enforced no matter what. Uh, they took away overtime from preseason, which is good because now you don't have to try to go for two to make sure there's not overtime like coaches would try to do. Um, I'm still trying to remember some of the other ones. I mean, the big one is they're kind of expanding the, the role replay. of the replay official yeah. that they have more say in other situations. And I I, I still can't grasp. Are they like allowed to buzz down now on, from yes. certain things? Because yes. they didn't say that specifically. But that's the impression that I got that they can. It's it's still kind of like it's not the full eye in the sky idea, 
but it's still it's a, a more of a step towards there. They're giving them more of a role rather than just saying they're a whole brand new official and call anything. They're just certain things they can call. So let me let me read it to you. This is what it says. Uh, according to the new rule, the replay official and designated members of the officiating department may consult with on-field officials or conduct a replay review or advise the game officials on specific objective aspects of a play where clear and obvious video evidence is present and or to address game administration issues, including, but not limited to, penalty enforcement, proper down, the spot of a foul, game clock possession, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what they had to say. And Art Rooney said, quote unquote, some of the comments we had were along the lines of just too much replay. And I personally think we should do one or the other. He does not like the fact that New York is still involved. His thought is if you're going to have a person upstairs in every stadium, why do we need New York city involved in this? Like mm -hmm. do one or the other. Like, why do we need New York involved? If you have someone up there and that's their specific job. So uh, I don't know uh, I, when he says too much replay, I mean, shoot, it, it brings back nightmares of Jesse James. And <laughs> if, yeah. if you don't have the obsession with replay, that's just a touchdown. The Steelers win the football game. Instead it gets analyzed like with a fine tooth comb and we all know how it pans out. Brian, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I love the idea of the eye in the sky, but being in every stadium. So I'm fully on board with R2 on this. You just brought up Jesse James. I think that's a different rolling if that replay official is in the stadium. And it, it's just like being on the field. It's kind of a cop out when you're in New York. It's like, okay, we'll blame New York. I think, I think it just works out. So many things work out so much different. If you're the eye in the sky, you need to be the official on the team. New York needs to go. That's like the immaculate reception where the officials went to the pirates dugout, got on the phone. Can we get security to get us to the airport? And they said, no. And they said, touchdown's good. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the seventies. <laughs> Dave, what are your thoughts on the replay stuff? Um, they're still tinkering with it all this time later because it's so imperfect, but I don't know that they're ever going to get it perfect. So I do like the whole notion of you, if you're going to have someone in stadium, why you need New York. If you're going to have New York do it, why is there someone in stadium? There's, there's no need for both. To me, anytime replay gets tweaked, it reminds me of the one season that they decided to make pass interference, a challengeable play. And what happened? Every Disaster. time it was challenged, it never got overturned, even when it was obvious, except when it was with Pittsburgh. And well, no, that's what set it off was that <laughs> Seattle game when they when they overturned it when there was yeah nothing to show that it that the that everything showed the right call was made on the field, and when they did that and screwed up the game, yep. that's when they realized we should not overturn these like and ever. they never and then they did it for like eight yeah. weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it was. It, this doesn't seem as knee jerk as the pass interference challenge because that was right off the heels of the Rams and Saints NFC championship game. And everyone was like, we got to do something about this. And so they did it. And it just didn't pan out. I think this is a little bit more logical in my opinion. I think it's a little bit more logical. Uh, the other rules though, Dave, according, more. go ahead. It was the um, loss uh, of down. Yeah. If you, if you throw the ball, it was a play where I can't remember someone a quarterback threw the ball, but got batted back to him. He caught it and he threw it again and it ended up being a penalty, but they added now that that's a loss of down as well, yeah. as well as a penalty. So, and they're considering getting rid of the chop block. Yeah. That was something we were talking about, but that wasn't because they said that without 
like, a, let's say there's a, a cornerback that's trying to set the edge for the defense, say a Mike Hilton type, and there's a pulling guard, say a David DeCastro type. If he can't get go low on that lineman, he's going to get, he has no way of kind of defending himself. Mm-hmm. That was not made official. That was tabled, I think, for next yes, year. Yes, it was. Um, and they added one bylaw that the teams have to submit anytime a player tries out or visits. Um, they have to submit it to the league office, but they did change the timing of when the league office lets that known to everybody. Well, what was the, what was the thing that just, just happened today, Thursday when, um, they, we we were just talking about it on Slack, five players. They're only allowing what five players. And that's describe that. So I can make sure I understand that for rookie mini camp, which is after the draft, they are only allowing five tryout players. A tryout player is a player that was not drafted and is not signed as an undrafted free agent, not on the 90-man roster. You know, normally you would have 10 to 15 of these type of players, just, you know, more, more bodies of guys that were invited to come try out, still weren't signed as undrafted free agents. So, um, and, they, and they added a couple without um, our, the infamous Tuzar Skipper was a yeah. tryout player, wasn't he? So was Duck Hodges. I was going to yep. say Devlin Hodge. Is yep. is is this? Are they citing um, COVID for this, or is this just something they're changing? They didn't cite it, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's got to be. But with the NFL PA I, fighting man, for not enough, not having a bunch of people at the facilities and stuff. So I feel so bad for some of these players, and I know they're professional athletes. Blah blah blah, whatever. Uh, but man, th- these players that have just come out, they're, they're either they're rookies this year or were rookies last year. And it's no, no one's fault, but my gosh, have they gotten screwed over more times than one? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you think about that. What is it? Tyler Simmons is the wide receiver from Georgia who was at the pro day this year was a rookie last mm-hmm. year. And he gets signed by the Steelers. You, you just think about players like Mike Hilton in, in who bounced around you know, undrafted free agent out of, uh, Ole Miss, and I think the Patriots had him. The Jacksonville Jaguars had him for a minute, and then he goes to Pittsburgh and turns it into a lucrative contract with the Bengals in his first in and free agency. So, I mean, it, I feel bad for those guys. I hope, I hope they stick with it somehow, but they're just not getting the opportunities. Like you said, you, you guys said Devlin Hodges, Tuzar Skipper. I'm sure there's others out there, uh, but still, it's you crazy. Know, yeah. All right. I mean, they'll still have bottom line is five players not on the 90 man roster that are eligible for rookie minicamp. That's it, man. All right. Uh, let's, I'll tell you what, let's, I want to ask one question before we go into our break. And that is that, and we're just going to finish up with news here. So the NFLPA, which I have my thoughts on those guys because I'm, I'm a union guy myself. Okay. So I'm a part of a union. I understand what that's all about. They put out all these statements. I think there were 15 total teams that said we are not going to participate in non or voluntary in-person workouts. And then the Steelers were one of those teams. And then next, you know, they're showing up. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on the whole NFLPA stance on these workouts, these OTAs that started on Monday? And what do you think about the players that are like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going anyways. So, where I'm confused is the fact that the Steelers said they weren't going to enforce it or they were still going to hold them or not hold them at all. So that's, I thought the Steelers were, were not going to hold these whatsoever, but after listening to what you just said, I'm a little confused. So if you could help me out with that, I'm pretty sure that the players just said, we're not showing up. That doesn't yeah. mean that the coaches aren't still going to say to the players, Hey, we'll be here. 
Like the phase one of OTAs is, is just, just, just strength and conditioning. So the strength and conditioning coach probably sent out a text or uh, I don't know what, maybe they use Slack like we do and said, <laughs> Hey guys, I'm still going to be here. I know what y'all said. I know the NFLPA stuff. That's fine too. Um, if y'all want to work out, I'll be here all day. And guys showed up. Guys showed up. So I, I don't know. Um, you have any other thoughts, Brian? Or- yeah. So after you explained that a little bit better to me, you know, the what's going to happen when you do that is you're going to have players feel compelled to show up because at this point you could weigh it. And I was in a situation with my job last year where they said, Oh, well, we're opening it back up for all employees because nobody's going to, because everybody's saying that they want to work. Well, at this point, if it becomes voluntary, but you speak up and say something, what happens in my job, if I would have came, came out and said, well, I don't think we should go out there. And everyone's like, oh, we want to get back to work. Because, of course, you're going to tell management, you want to work. You don't want to be labeled as the person that doesn't want to. So when when you make it when you make it so you don't have to come in, but others start to show up, there's the keeping up with the Joneses. And people are going to start coming in. And I think younger players are going to be like, yeah, I don't have to come in, but I better get in there. So it's kind of double-edged there. Well, the NFLPA, they always cater to the veterans, and I understand that. But they also failed to forget a couple pretty important things. Number one, what about those players that have workout incentive clauses in their contracts? Which so, none of the Steelers do. No, Steelers do not, mm-hmm. but plenty of other teams, mm-hmm. you show up for X number of workouts, you get more money. Well, they're all about the players getting their money. Well, what do you do about those teams? What do you do about those players? They're going to want to show up to get their money, and I don't blame them. Another thing is, is that what about, like you said, Brian, these young players that are probably just like, I missed out on this all last year, and I just want to get in there. I want to put my best foot forward. I want to show these coaches what I can do. I don't care if it's on the bench press right now. I want to show them that I've been working hard and that I'm ready for this and that I'm prepared. I don't blame them for wanting to go in either. And I also think that it's a situation where the NFL came out good for them, by the way, and said, if you get injured somewhere else, cause they're going to continue to work out elsewhere. You're not covered. You tear an ACL training at the, the Watt Institute in Wisconsin, the NFL's not covering that bill. Like it's on you. And so I was like, ah, that makes sense. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I'm looking at uh, the other thing that, that uh, I had shared with the, with the staff yesterday where I said, take that NFLPA, was where Tom Pelissero of NFL Network shared a memo from the NFL basically ripping to pieces the injury data that the NFLPA had put out there in order to justify this and labeled it inaccurate and misleading and actually gave the data of what happened with injuries and other stuff and things that they can say and couldn't say. So in other words, the NFL saying, you want to say this is because of, oh, there were less injuries last year? Uh Uh-uh. Look at the actual data. (laughs) Does it make it true? Here's the numbers. Here's the data. This is, there's really no justification to what you're saying. So what it also what also boils down to is is we need to remember words matter yeah. and what does CBA stand for? A collectively, collectively bargained agreement, bargain. which was signed last year. The NFLPA has no leg to stand on here. 
you all sign this agreement. So unless you want to go back to the bargaining table, and I know last year they had a, a side agreement for the 2020 season, but hey, it is what it is. All right, enough news. When we go back after this break, we're going to be talking about positions the Steelers are going to be targeting in the 2021 NFL draft, and we're going to be doing it bracket style. So if you're on the audio side, kind of bracket style, sort of. There's going to be challenge flags involved, yes. so you're going to want to come back. <laughs> um, so go to part two if you're on the audio side, if you're watching live on Facebook or on YouTube. Stay tuned. We're not going anywhere. We'll be right back. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.